0: This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us.
1: Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, Thank you, Harley, for being on.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Um, Harley Dean Matthews from Texas. Corpus Christi. Texas. Texas. So, Harley, uh, tell us how you stumbled upon our podcast, uh, Sacred Collective.
2: Um, I've stumbled on it via the Revolution podcast. So, um, got in touch with Caleb. We were chatting a little bit, uh, more than a little bit. We had some paragraphs going on chat a little while ago.
0: Well, theology and philosophy chat.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Sweet.
0: And just for our our listeners, you're a pastor— There in Texas, uh, you have a few different endeavors that you're pursuing now. You also, uh, have a, uh, a jewelry company with your wife, correct? Mm -hmm,
2: mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do, uh, Love is a Seed down in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, we make jewelry, everything from like, um, malas and prayer tools from various religious traditions to, um, like we do fun stuff too, like, uh, peppermint earrings and like funky things for people, um. There's always experimenting with um, a lot of wood beads. It started out with us wanting to do um, real tribal-like jewelry. We got turned on to jewelry based on just loving beads and the history of them. So, uh, yeah, so we've been doing that for five years. We just hit five years in July. So,
1: nice, very cool.
2: Yeah, my own, my pastoral work down here is pretty um, pretty different. Uh, we do the brewery CC, which is I say CC because we've we've kind of played with the idea of moving around some. But it's an interfaith dialogue more than a church. Um, but pastor is a term they use for me pretty often there. And then I work with uh, St. John, John Methodist, and help them with their heavy metal service called Thy Kingdom Come, so which is a once-a-month service. So. Awesome. It's kind of sporadic.
0: Hell, yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you're right in our, our wheelhouse of the demographic that I think we reach, like punk rock, Christian-adjacent, spiritually-interested people. <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I feel oh, yeah. like we're
1: adjacent, adjacent to everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, how, how do you get into this like heavy metal service? Was it just something that you were like passionate about or like, cause that just doesn't, you just don't wake up one day and you're like, this is going to happen. I mean, how was kind of explain how that whole thing kind of came into fruition?
2: So um, it's, I didn't, I didn't start it. Um, it was actually a group of guys that, Uh, At St. John's, they started a band called Merriam, got pretty big down here. And they were like, we want to have a church for people that listen to the music we listen to that look like us. That way there's not this get comfortable here and then maybe the whole metal scene will be okay, Like your style and the way you talk and all this. So instead of it's just like from the gate, you're accepted and loved and interested. And the music's super heavy. Mm -hmm. um and i they they at first were thinking like well we could do some like maybe acoustic stuff and and then play like one heavy song at the end or play a cd and i'm like y'all y'all gotta do like if you're gonna do it do it fully and at the time you know saint john's was super interested in it and uh so yeah so that was that was how it came about nice and that was 2009 so yeah they just hit 10 years this year
1: very cool You were going to say something, Caleb? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking,
0: um, and this is kind of building a little bit off of some past conversations that you and I have had, Harley, um, that I'm just kind of curious specifically what you retain um, from other faiths. I know that you've you've said before uh, in the the interview that you and I did for Revolution Church Podcast, um, you mentioned how you feel like a lot of religions and, and, and faith traditions are kind of pointing towards similar things. Um, do you, mm-hmm. do you, would you consider yourself to be fully inclusivist? I know labels can get, can get muddy, but they can also be a little bit helpful. Uh, just kind of mapping things out. Would you consider yourself like inclusivist or universalist? Are those terms that you're comfortable using at all?
2: Yeah. Um, I've recently been, been asking myself, uh, if interfaith is a useful term anymore. Mm. Um, I feel like interfaith work when you say, oh, I do interfaith work, what it means is, we're all getting together at a table, fully knowing we're completely different. And we're going to dialogue about those differences and then like say a prayer at the end or like have someone from a from the non-majorative tradition that's represented, say a prayer. And it seems really, it's great. And I'm, I'm about it. I think that there's some really good movements happening down here for that. But with the brewery, we were like, I've been using the term multi-faith.
0: Multi-faith instead of interfaith.
2: Yeah. So instead of, People can. I mean, we're in a place in time. I think that people can practice multiple faiths. So, for instance, um, you know, if if somebody were to invite me to pray with them as they're praying the um, Muslim call to prayer, right? I've sat in I've sat in rooms and the call to prayer has been made, and I'm just weeping, you know. Oh, wow. And so that doesn't mean I'm going to flip my tradition or change it, but it means that. If, if they ask to pray for me and I, and for me to pray with them, then I can find myself in a position where, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. That's beautiful. Um, I love that. So, and, and like I said, it's still, it's still constructing with what, what I do. I really mean that in every situation in every way, you know, um, am I being picky and choosy? Am I, is something depleting by me adding something in? Those are all questions that, you know, we wrestle with at the brewery and, I wrestled with it in my own life, so. Wow. But I, I like multi faith better than interfaith because interfaith is a like let's chat. Multi faith is like let me be part of what wow. you're doing. Let me be in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. And, that's great, that man. very Cool. That's a really, really well worded. That's 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 beautiful. So, um, do you do you think I'm getting a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit theological here? Do you think that there is any innate value that Christianity has? claim to that other faiths don't or do you think it's kind of an incidental thing where like you you're born into
2: it we're going big quick yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you're are you asking like do i feel like christianity has some level of exceptionalism uh, like compared to others or is it a little less serious than that
0: yeah i guess i guess in layman's terms yeah i guess i'm kind of asking uh is it is it more right than other religions, or does it have more in, in inherent value than other religions? Mm. I feel a yes coming.
2: <laughs> so for me, and, and I, I can't speak for the whole tradition, but I, I said this at, uh, with the podcast with Jay too, like one of the real recent things that I've been resonating with is, is being not, not okay, but like happy and proud of saying like, oh, I'm a Christian. Like Christian is a term I'm going to still use for myself. At the same time, not automatically adding, but not like this or not like this or not like that. But for yeah. my life, um, the Christ narrative, this like mystic Christ.
0: Not qualifying it, I guess.
2: Yeah. So to step away from qualifying, quantifying it and like, making it within this small thing, for me, the Christ narrative still says it's so wide and so big, it's going to include all things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would, if I was born in a Muslim tradition, if like, how quickly or if I would get to the place where like Allah includes all things.
3: Mm.
2: Now, take a text like, um, take a text out of uh, the Muslim tradition like, Allah is closer to you than your jugular vein, right? That to me says, oh my gosh, God is like closer to me than that which gives and takes and sustains life. Which to me, as a Christian, sounds like Jesus, right? Like so, and Christ in God says like all things are together and all things are moving towards wholeness. So, I don't know if Christianity has an exceptional um, root. I think the the value of Christ emptying Himself, like Paul said, mm. this idea, which I think attaches really closely and really well with Buddhism, but um, and like Sufism maybe too. Like that is exceptional to me. This idea of sub- full on submission to have the wherewithal to forgive entirely, you know, this alt. And not every Christian tradition, not every church, in fact, probably not any of the churches I grew up working with or being in, were like, that's what Christianity means. It's going to include all things and the whole cosmos is going to be hmm. redeemed in some way. They would say, no, 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 it's like sinners and saints and, you know, black and white and very clear dichotomy. And I've stepped away from all of that. I don't think it's that clear.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: I don't know. Maybe that helps. Maybe not. You can hit me with more specific. I'm, yeah. I may not be answering exactly what you're asking. No,
0: you're. You're. Yeah. You, I, I, and it was a broad question that I asked anyway. Um, do you believe in uh, a in in an afterlife? I guess in, in, in kind of more basic terms, like do you believe in, in a heaven, uh, an eternal you know consequence of heaven or an eternal consequence of hell? Do you believe that some people go go to a positive afterlife and some go to a negative? based on either their actions or their beliefs?
3: Mm.
0: Or does it matter to you, I guess? I wish this was a visual medium. I love the faces you're making. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot of non-verbals that they don't get to see, right? Yeah. It's kind of like my squinchy face. And,
0: you're pondering. Um, we can do like a commentary over this episode. I'll go back and be like, at this point, Harley was uh, pondering <laughs> very
2: deeply. Right, yeah. He was looking forward. My, my One of my professors, I'm taking a non-verbal class, says, I watch you guys when you're taking tests and you kind of look up like Jesus, please send me the answers because I haven't <laughs> studied at all. And uh, it doesn't feel quite like that right now, but there's a there's a level. Um, do I believe in a literal heaven and hell? I'm I'm not pro hell. I don't think I think um, I kind of follow more of a belian tradition. I, you know, Love Wins totally flipped my whole image of um, hell being eternal torment. I grew up in a, in you know. Uh, assemblies of god tradition so hell was more important than heaven i mean heaven was where the lucky went you know or where the the superstars went and hell was you know the majority yeah um so just getting a little bit of that and not that not that love wins is like the fullness of the theological spectrum of universal salvation but i tend to lean along the ways of, of eternal universal salvation um and it's that long stretch of infinity right um and then, and then, you know, you're. It's an important like subplot. You said, you know, does it even is it even important? And I think ultimately, it's important when it in our conversation. Mm. But to me, I don't know if I don't know if something I cannot know should take the highest precedence in my life. Right. Because there's no way for me to know for sure. That's good. And if I make that the priority, then my whole my whole like thought process my whole life turns into are you in because i think i'm in and we need to hang mm-hmm. out and be together forever and if you're not then it puts a lot of responsibility on me mm-hmm. i mean the idea of heaven and hell as as totally firm when we don't know if we're gonna pay like there's like millions of people on this world that don't know if they're gonna live tomorrow and they should be working on living for tomorrow like living the next day eating for some food you know right, right. um and and loving their family whereas if all i'm worried about is what's going to happen once that death time comes and it's not that it's not important to think about death i think that's that's clear but if the only thing i think about death is the afterlife then i've given up uh, my life here in a sense i'm not living here i'm living for that next the long what's supposedly the long term and I, i don't know if that's true even either yeah.
1: Yeah, Harley, I think you and I could talk um, ad nauseum about growing up in the Psalms of God because I grew up in the Psalms of God, too. Um, mm-hmm. and, and are now Sorry, also universalist. And, and and I'm a universalist now. But luckily in my faith tradition, in well, my denomination, I belong to the United Church of Christ, It's I mean, I have colleagues in that tradition who some are atheists, agnostic, some are universalists, and some are super conservative. So there's a wide swath compared to in the Assemblies of God, where you all have to be, you know, kind of following Springfield, which was where our where the headquarters are, Springfield, Missouri. But, I mean, I think for me, one of the, I mean, there's multiple reasons why I left the Assemblies of God, but like I've said on past podcasts that I've been interviewed on, one of them for me was the, you know, whole GLBTQ um, issue, mm-hmm. where... You know, people are like, oh, well, we accept everyone in our churches. And then you're like, well, where are my, you know, gay brothers and sisters? And they're like, well, you know, it's like they mm-hmm. say, well, and then like, yeah, quiet Love the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah. And But then I think another <laughs> another big part, up, too, no. was, was <laughs> the, you know, whole afterlife thing. And it got to me where I like I left. I was kind of in a polite way asked to leave my youth group and not come back, which was yeah. which was fine.
2: Um, at least they were polite. I mean, you know.
1: It, it was, it was to me, um, these summits of God on a lot of evangelical denominations. I look at the afterlife as a form of escapism, where they're just mm. wanting to escape, where it's like, oh, well, I have to believe in Jesus and, you know, say the sinner's prayer, which does not exist in Scripture anywhere, and, okay. and say, and live this exemplary life and get all these, you know, souls, quote-unquote, into heaven— And I remember as, like, a 16-, 17-year-old young man being like, what? Like, this doesn't – like, it just was so foolish to me. And my parents always taught me to be, like, a critical thinker, but I don't think they ever thought I was going to go to that point where it was just – and I think the biggest thing for me was, like, there's people, like you were saying, Harley, there's people who don't even know where they're going to get their next meal from, don't have housing. And we're saying, oh – God in an all-loving way is going to send them to hell. He loves them, Mm. but since they rejected him, quote unquote, then he's going to send them to hell. (laughs) And I'm like, I just can't believe in a God like that, you know. And I and I've said to people before, if we believe in that version of God, this is a hot take coming up, then that God is is worse than Hitler Mm. because
0: at least he let them die.
1: Because yeah, at least he let them die. Where God's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you have to worship me, you have to worship me, da 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 da, and oh, at the end of eternity, or at the end of your life, if you sense you didn't, you didn't accept me the way, quote-unquote, these Christians said, well, now you're going to burn in eternity. And it's just like, that's, that's a worse than a dictator, hmm. you know? So and right. I think that's in a roundabout way. I mean, that's one of <laughs> many reasons why I left the AG. But, I mean, I just go back to, like, my friends who I graduated in the youth group with, and there was maybe 20 of us, and I would say two out of that 20 are actually Christians. And that we just left the church and we were like, fuck it. Like we're done. Um, Or, you know, whatever. And I I don't know, uh, you know, with your, obviously you've deconstructed from that agey background, but I mean, do you Mm -hmm. find that with some of your friends and family who maybe are still part of that tradition where they're just like, or or maybe are they like still really into it or are they just like, I'm done, you know, wave the white flag of bullshittery, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Totally with family, yeah. There's a whole lot of folks that I have careful conversations with. You know, like my grandmother. Anytime something happens, um, she's like, "I've already called TBN and they're on it." And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, it's my grandmother's like the sweetest thing on the planet. So I'm like, I trust your prayers. Like I, I believe you're being genuine and sincere. Right, right. She's the one that taught me like get a name and learn to spell it. You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, every time I pray for somebody, I want their name and how to spell it. Because it's important to me that I remember the person with some kind of tactile nature.
3: Right, right.
2: And yet she, you know, she's calling Pat Robertson to, like, call in the troops. And I'm thinking, I don't want his troops, you know. I don't <laughs> want, <laughs> those aren't the troops, you know, that I want around, you know. Right. Um, so I have careful conversations, you know. And, and that's family. I mean, uh, outside of family, um, we moved around a whole lot, so I don't have that same in, same kind of ability to, to know who's stuck with it from early youth days. But mm. I mean, the brewery is uh, our active group. And I would say out of 20 of us, eight would identify fully as Christian and only Christian and um, would hold to like maybe a Methodist tradition or assemblies tradition even. Um,
0: oh, wow. What's that? I I said I, I was just surprised that you said some of them still uh, align themselves with the symbols of God. Um, I may I may
2: have to not. I'm trying to think if. Yeah, no, I would say that that now some of those folks are like within these. Uh, I know we've talked about the like niches in the AG. The AG was really good about like um, here's an AG cowboy church, here's an AG biker church, here's <laughs> yeah. an AG. You know, but the vein of the whole thing is the same, and so. Um, the person I'm thinking of definitely uh, still kind of hangs out in this space, but mm-hmm. they're also saying things to their friends that are like, hey, I go to this this other thing called Brewery, and we kind of dialogue this stuff out, and I'm learning some things that I haven't been able to ask here, and cool. they don't come around. You know, they're, they're like, no, I'm not interested. And I mean, maybe there's some value to... No, that's bullshit. There's no value to not questioning things. I mean, but I understand the <laughs> psychology. I understand the psychology of it. Like, I get that that uh, it's important to have a group that you know is solid around you that will defend you. Um, that's that's the hardcore scene. That's the punk scene. That's the metal scene. I mean, you know, you just know like those are your people. Yeah. And you don't ask some of those questions. Mm. But when you do, then you're like like kind of what we're talking about. We've all been through like this. And I've asked the questions. I don't come up with an answer, and I'm not willing to drink the kool-aid anymore yeah um and sometimes it's that drop out entirely and then maybe you find some some more resonance with um, a perfect example is not you know eight out of 20 maybe and, and i don't know if that's the real statistics for brewery or not but but um i know a lot of them have come out of christianity because of or within the space of the brewery because they're like well if i don't have to do that anymore do i want to right And But they all, like the majority of them, we we ask every year, you know, are there any things that we're doing that we want to keep or not keep Mm. as far as traditions and rituals? And they all are really set on communion. They love the idea of communion, you know, which is weird because the communion was a dividing line for, you know, the first part of the church in a lot of ways. Not the first part, but the, you know, 14th, 15th century, you had to, you know, those were literal bloodbaths over whether or not you could take communion if you were this or that. And yet you've got this group of kind of, you know, rebellious folks. And they're like, yeah, I don't really know about, like, virgin birth or, you know, salvation or anything. But I, I like this like, this idea of taking bread and wine and communion table. And oh, I think we'll do that, you know. And I'm just over here like, that's the thing we pick? Cool. Because <laughs> we don't, you know, AG didn't have, it was once a month, you know, and you kind of like, it wasn't a heavy thing for us. My wife comes from a tradition that was every week. And that's what gave me a heavy love for the communion practice was there was no questions asked you but it was every week and that was you could go and ignore the whole rest of it but that was the thing you could you know identify with so
1: well and i in my tradition in the eucharist um like in the ag like our church it was like you didn't have to be a member of that church but you had to be at least part of a christian tradition so Bab- mm-hmm. they would look more evangelical like if you said hey I'm a Catholic they'd be like, Meh. you mm-hmm. know you're not really a Christian but um, in our in the UCC tradition at least in my church I love it we do communion the first Sunday which is kind of I think normal for most denominations but they yeah. they say that you know Christ has set the table he is you know the elements are there and it doesn't matter if you're part of our church. You know the UCC, any church, or if you're even a Christian, that it's here and it's open and it's available, and that's something that always resonates with me because I said I think that's at the crux of what the Last Supper was all about. Was it was this whole right. symbolism of it doesn't matter if you're in this quote unquote in group of what Christianity ended up being. It's like Jesus is mm-hmm. saying like. Hey, if you sit down and you're just with your friends and family and group of people, like, and that's why I tell people, like, when we get together for the Sacred Collective and when we have meals, like, we're doing the Eucharist. Absolutely. Like, that. And exactly. That, and it doesn't matter. And, and, and I always say, like, the Eucharist is just a symbol of. You know, people are like, you know, consubstantiation, transubstantiation, like is the body is it mm. really the body or the blood of Christ? And that's a whole other theological rabbit hole. But I'm like I think it's more of the symbolism of like, hey, when not even Christians, but when humans get together, when we sit down and whether we have wine or beer mm. or pop or water or whatever and have a pizza. Yeah, or, pizza and beer usually. <laughs> yeah. Like that's but right, that's but right. that's but that's like hospitality. And I mean that, and to me one of the crux of Christianity is hospitality. Mm. Like Jesus really, you know, yeah. hammered that in. Was like, hey, you know, like he hammered a lot of people within the, you know, at the time when he was doing his ministry. Like, hey, you guys have the law, but you can't love each other. You guys can't show each other grace or right. love, which is epitome of hospitality. Mm. And so I think what we do at Sacred Collective, and I would say, you know, what I love about my tradition is where it's like, hey, you know what? It it doesn't matter if you quote unquote believe in this Jesus thing what matters is that we're here together mm. gathering and loving one another to the best we possibly can be yeah for sure
2: yeah i mean the the concept of like we're we're going to be human together and this is a practice where we can remember that whether it tastes like stale bread and juice or it's a really good pizza and some sodas or whatever like that's communion we're remembering mm-hmm. each other and and in the experience yeah absolutely and I think it goes way beyond some of the theology that's been attached to communion. And and there's folks that really want that heavy theological reflection when they take communion and they take it. But I, I agree with you. And I think the brewery has done some, some funky stuff with that too. They're like, you know, we've done, we recently did one that was, um, we were kind of playing with the idea that if God doesn't exist and, and, and if there's emptiness there, what would communion look like? And, the idea of an imaginative religion. A lot of folks at the brewery right now are kind of like, "What would it be like if I, if I had to put it together myself, and I had to really guess and combine some things? And what would a religion be like if I just made it?" And uh, so we did an invisible communion, right? The idea of the invisible God, right? We can't see God, but we have some attributes we connect for Christians, like the personality and the character traits of Jesus attached to God in that way. some in some way we can see God in the person of Jesus. Um, but if you pull that away, what do you have? You have this invisible. So we, we literally, I literally just stood there with a plate and they walked through and they, they would pick something up and, you know, no wine, no nothing. And it was this peculiar thing to watch people try to have an experience with n- nothing physical in front of them. So they were like miming communion. Is it miming? Right. Okay. And, uh, it was a pretty powerful thing. It was a weird like way to admit that sometimes there's not enough bread. There's sometimes there's not enough wine. You know, maybe this doesn't last forever. um, Whatever this is. Right. And yet there was sustenance because we were together. Right. So even in the the absence of food and and drink, there's still community. There's still life. uh, And there's still sustenance, I think. So,
1: um, I'm gonna put you on the spot if that's okay talking about the Summers of God because we don't have a lot of guests who come from the same'cause you know you know like within evangelicalism there's like a hundred bazillion different denominations right. that are that are through there. Would you say that you liked uh you know growing up in the sums of God do you still give some um what's the word some? place in your heart that, like, hey, I'm glad I was raised this way, or it kind of formulated me into to thinking like this, or were you just, like, shoot it all, you know, kind of out of your butt, <laughs> like it's not important to you anymore?
2: Yeah, um, for a whole lot of years, the AG was something I didn't. I would either not talk about or I would say and then immediately just say, like, fuck that, like, that's not okay, what they're doing is not okay, it was very abusive the wider my own faith went, the more I started like, so, um, for instance, I used to say like, um, the AG was like, we're not going to force you to speak in tongues, but it's a gift that you need. And if you don't get Mm -hmm. it, you're probably not faithful enough. Exactly. I think things like a hardcore commitment to prayer, like really trying to think with empathy for the person I'm praying for, um, or thinking of in relationship to God in some way, like, um, that, that, probably wouldn't have come about without these like three hour prayer services and camp meetings where,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, we're all falling on the floor trying to trying to reach this next thing. And so it, it seems a little hard for me today to completely condemn something like some of those experiences while believing in things like mysticism, right? Like I think there's union with the divine. So if there's union with the divine and sometimes it's, like wildly just different than, than anything, then could that have happened within an AG circumstance? Could, can God use like shit sticks to teach us about goodness and grace? I mean, maybe like, um, it was because of AG that I ran into Jay Baker. Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
2: My grandma would give faithfully to his parents thing. And, and because of their uh, affiliation and, if that hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't be a Christian.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, there's so many wide and, and and short parts of it. I don't I don't know if there's a real direct answer. Uh, but I but recently I've been trying to find spaces where I'm like, you know what, um, this helped me a lot, or I can see this connection here that I'm not um, necessarily against. Um, but that's like blip. Right. I mean, barely blip. Compared to the growing up from zero to age to 17 or so, you know, um, it's very, very hard to, to dig that deep and find points where I'm like, yeah, this was phenomenal. I had a great youth pastor at the same time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I look back now and I think if I had come and said the things that I've said now, you know, about salvation or about the acceptance of the LGBT. Um, QIA community wouldn't go, wouldn't go at all, you know. Yeah. And, and my litmus test for for any church that you know my wife and I would go to really has been: can all of my friends show up and not be rejected?
3: Right, absolutely. You know? And
2: there's just not many places like that. And and we have a, a wide, very dynamic yeah. religious community mm-hmm. in Corpus. I mean, it's we have uh, everyone's represented in some way, usually a very small way. If it's not like Catholic or Protestant, but Growing up, AG taught me about the need for zeal, the need for passion. I probably wouldn't have listened to like Christian punk and hardcore if it wasn't for the AG church. I don't think that my friends that were Catholics would have ever been allowed to really jam that necessarily. Mm-hmm. So th- there's touchstones, but I don't think there's a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I I, I wish we had met sooner because I feel that your and I's trajectory are a lot the same. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but... I feel like you know, it's good it's good to know that there's people out there like myself and like Jay too. Um growing up in the A G who like the A G was important to me to an extent. Like my grandparents as well, they're both past now, but they gave um religiously to PTL. They actually went to P T L, had like a timeshare there in Charlotte or nice. around there. Um and so like I grew up you know, hearing about the bakers, hearing, you know, not just about them, but other ag people. And I mean, I and I, I told Caleb um, before, like when he interviewed me for his podcast, Air Grievances, where like I grew up like on a Friday night. What teenage kid on a Friday night goes to an intercessory prayer service? This guy right here did. And, (laughs) you know, I could have went to hang out with my friends. I could have went and partied in school, in high school, and I didn't. Like, when I became – I moved from um, a more inner city school in St. Paul where I grew up into a suburban school where we moved when I was in middle school. And I was like this Jesus freak kid because I wore, like, if you remember, (laughs) Jinkos. And <laughs> hell yeah. like Jinko, and appear, like, and Jinko. Oh, yeah, like Jinko's, and I was in like this greaser phase because I was really into the band Squad Five O and like Goaty Hook and all this kind of stuff. So
0: <laughs> Jinko's, I mean, I don't knock Jinko's; they, no, were no, no, awesome. no. they were
1: awesome. They were awesome. But I, I mean, I agree with you too, Harley. Like, if it wasn't for like I, I got into punk music and hardcore because of A G, you know, youth youth leaders and like other friends. So I think, like, I tell people. I can't ever divorce myself from that because that is kind of part of my, uh, what's the, like, grounding and foundation. But sure. I, like, my wife grew up, uh as I got two, she grew up in central South Dakota. And whenever we went back home, luckily all of her family left from that, that town. Um, it wasn't a bad town. It was just boring. It was in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. <laughs> and um, it took me... Like I would tell her, like I would almost physically get sick going into an AG church, just because of all the right. shit that happened to me in my life, and people, and she understands now the religious trauma, like and stuff that it cost or caused me, and I, I, I just think I tell people when they talk to me about, um, like about the AG, I'll say because most of my family on both sides of my family are AG. My mom grew up as sons of God. All her siblings are. And then my dad grew up strict Lutheran, but they all weirdly went from Lutheranism to, to Pentecostalism. You know, especially the Assemblies of God. So it's all around. It's all around me. But I, I tell people the Assemblies of God are, are a great baby denomination. And meaning, <laughs> meaning to me, it's it's great grounding you in the Scripture. It's great grounding you in. Um, you, you know, like dealing with,
2: with like, do you feel, do you feel like it's, it is great with grounding in scripture? It's that we went from AG to living in central Texas. Uh, Corpus is right on the coast and there wasn't a whole lot of AG churches. In fact, the one that we went to, uh, fell to, um, uh, sexual misconduct in the church. And then we started, I started going to a Baptist church because it was like down the street and they were like, this is my Bible. You know, this is what I read, and this is all I need to know. And I thought, golly, I've never read scripture like I've read it in this space. And I, I, you know, my my timeline is AG, and then that little bit of Baptist uh, and Methodist was that's when I started really falling in love with the text and like textual criticism, right. trying to you know understand that. And then when I went back into AG after that, because we moved, it was I, you know, it was harder for me to be in an AG church where they're they're only using like the A part of the scripture, because it fits into their sermon.
3: Right. And
2: that became difficult. So I'm, I'm just wondering, do you have a, maybe a reflection on that? Because it'd be hard for me to say that the assemblies would give me a good scriptural foundation for me. And I'm from, you know, South Texas, probably different.
1: Well, yeah, um, I, I would say for me, and I think it goes different by church, church by church. We, we can't say yeah. every AG church is the same, just like you can't say that about any denomination. I know for me, right. like growing up, like I was told maybe by my parents, but by the church, like, hey, you know, yes, we're going to have, you know, the, the Bible verse like up on the screen or whatever, but at least have your Bible. And I, I don't know about with you, like Jay has joked about this too, um, like your sword drills, like where you have your Bible where you oh, like yeah. open it up, like, okay, everyone yeah. everyone go to First Corinthians 13 or whatever. And that's one of the reasons my dad actually – um, when him and my mom got married, um, cause he still w- remained Lutheran when mo- like him and his brother re- were the only siblings out of six that remained Lutheran and all of his sisters converted to assemblies of God. But when my mom and him got married and they were looking for like kind of, a, you know, a church on their own, where my dad was more interested in the assemblies of God, because he was like out of, you know, the Lutheran church, he's like, we, t- you know, with, with confirmation and stuff, he's like, scripture is very important. And he's like, out of all these other evangelical mm-hmm. churches we looked at, the Assemblies of God were more biblically based. And, I mean, my dad passed away many years ago, but he, the longer he got through the AG, I think it was kind of like he was starting to get away from it. But I know, at least with my denomination, like the, church, the, the scripture was really foundational and grounded me. And then I actually went to an Assemblies mm-hmm. of God Bible College up here in Minneapolis, the you North know, Central University, if you've ever heard of that. And they were really, mm-hmm. like, they were, and I mean, now that I went through seminary and got two degrees, I looked back at my undergrad and was like, well, that was just like Bible, or like, like a church camp, or that was like a youth group thing, because it wasn't really biblically based. But I would say in my younger years, probably like elementary age up until like almost the end of high school, I thought it was like really scripturally sound and based. And then, it, that's why I say it's a baby denomination, because, you know, it gives you, like, this right. milk and honey and the sustenance that you need, but then when you start asking the real important questions, like, hey, is there a hell? Hey, do these people go, you know, you know, you know to hell or heaven? You know, are my queer, you know, brothers and sisters, or there... Then that's where they're like, uh, I don't know, you know, stop asking me. And I was told many times, Harley, by pastors, by friends, by family, like, just, you know, just... Don't ask those questions. Just like accept, 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 accept mm-hmm. what the pastor says. Yeah. And I was like, "That's or not like it's
0: like uh, it, it's God. You know, it, it's God's mind which is out of our comprehension.
2: Right? So, like these are yeah. ordained. You men You can't and women. understand
1: the answers, yeah. you fool. And, and so like, I, and a, a lot of people. But here they are. Yeah, right? <laughs> you
2: can't understand the answer, but here's the right.
0: answer, right? Right. Like, but a, lot a of, one-dimensional. A lot of, of people of
1: will say, you know, like people who are. Whether they're, like, for instance, I just went and um, saw, I don't know if you know who Pedro the Lion is. um, Oh, yeah. So a good friend of ours, Josh, who's part of the podcast, me and him are big Dave Bazan fans. One, they actually, the the director of the documentary brought it to Minneapolis, to this small theater. So my friend Josh and I went to go Mm -hmm. see it, and it was phenomenal. And in there, someone asked him, in the documentary, someone asked him, like, well, you're not a Christian or anything anymore, are you? He's like, well, no. And they're like, well, how about your faith? And, I mean, he grew up as sons of God because his dad was a, a sons of God worship pastor. And they were like, well, do you, mm-hmm. like, do? you like are you mad that you grew up a Christian? Are you mad that you grew up in the church? He's like, no. Like, why would I be mad that I grew up that way? He's like, it, it, it gave me this solid foundation. He's just like, and so I'm invested in it for many reasons. I just choose not to believe in it now because of all the shit that, it does, and I would say I'm the same way. With, I mean, I would say mm-hmm. that I'm a, still a Christian because I'm I'm way more liberal and uh, you know kind of out there in my views. But like even Dave Bazan, as someone who's in his mid 40s, will say who's who would say that. I don't know if he would say he's an atheist. Is maybe more agnostic. But for someone to say like, hey, like that's still part of me, and I, I like to say to a lot of people who former evangelicals, ag, or whatever, to be like, I feel I I, I would say and I can't speak for you, but for myself, I would say I, that was part of my foundation. That was part of how I was raised. And so I can't reject that. I can't divorce that from my life because that would cease to be a part of who I am. But to say that I really agree with any of their tenets or theology would, would be a lie because I don't. I mean, not with a 10-foot pole.
2: Well, and at what, and what point do we can we separate the tenets or the doctrines that somebody believes from the person? Right. I mean, you know, they're not they're not what they believe. They just have a bunch of beliefs, and um, that's a big question: is like how how do you actively separate? Like, oh, this person is a Calvinist, and they believe this. You know, set down seemingly carved in stone thoughts. But when we drink beer, there's no problem. Like, or when we go serve the poor, we don't ask questions about this like tulip tradition or. We, you know, at what point is that primarily important? I think you make a good point. Like I can't separate myself from AG at all. Like the fact that uh, we would have, you know, youth groups and services where some of my favorite memories um, of going to church are, are still from those moments, you know, mm-hmm. when, and there's some like, uh, yeah, you don't know, at some point, you know, I'm 35. And so, after 30, it became like, I'm really tired of fighting this off. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe I'm just going to start thinking about the things that are healthy about it, you know, whatever that might be. Even if it was a matter of, at one point, you know, we did this like miniature master's commission. Um, master's oh commission gosh. was yeah. that big yep. thing. And uh, it was mostly, you know, young adults. And mm-hmm. so this was 12 to 15 year old, four weeks of, of training, which was, two hours of prayer in the morning and then you practiced your piece whether you preached or you gave a skit or you played in the band or you you know prayed with people you would practice for like four hours after that and then you had an hour of prayer to end and then you had four weeks of touring we went from corpus christi to west virginia i think and just church after church after church And it was the closest i'd ever felt to being in a band Mm -hmm. i mean you know we had t-shirts we had merch we were in a van we smelled bad you know, and we were telling people about the thing that changed our life. You know, essentially, and it was very organized and trained and re- repetitious. Um, and some of those moments, I mean, were incredible. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a, um, I didn't have a tragic like come to Jesus story. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't have any of the things that a lot of folks did, even even as you know teenagers. Um, and one time, I'm standing up there, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have much to give other than that. I think. I think I love Jesus and and I think that it's healthy for my life. And I probably said something really, really Pentecostal, you know, like (laughs) I don't remember exactly what I said because I don't think about that part of it anymore. But there was this kind of like, I'm not, you know, anything special because I don't have this like drug addiction or, or, you know, whatever. And these two old ladies come up and they're like, thank you so much. I think I want to pray this prayer. And I'm like, you're like 90, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've been in this church for a long time. Like you've known about this place. And they said, Well, I didn't know that it wasn't required. Like I didn't know there could be a transition in my life, even though I didn't like majorly fuck up. And I was like, So in some weird way I gave them this permission to be like, I wanna I wanna like solidify this moment as my moment, even though I'm super old and I've always been a Christian in, in word and deed. And I think about that a lot because I'm like, Well, that's weird. You know, that it's is just weird. the normal season and so, so that's something. Like, for instance, I can pull out from the old AG days and be like, "Yeah, totally. I, lo- I love that. That was a great moment." Would I go back to those women and say, "Please, please don't, <laughs> like, don't, don't, uh, don't, listen to like the 15 minute jargon I gave you." But, but if you had a full experience with God then use that, you know, and embrace that, right. um, I question whether or not, you know, those were real experiences or how much of it was created for me. But, um, I don't question it a whole lot because I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs>
3: right. You know,
2: I, I, I don't remember the last time I found myself in a room where by seven 30, everyone's on the floor, you know? And, <laughs> and that's not, I'm not trying to be judgy about it, but I don't, no, yeah. I don't, um, you, when you brought up like the sword drills, I thought, Oh man, I, I misjudged there because truthfully, yeah, we had those little orange, like armor of God things they would give you. Mm-hmm. We had in our backpacks you know, these are the texts you should know for these circumstances. You know.
0: Oh boy. Um, yeah. Apologetics totally. type stuff. Totally. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and yet you know I can quote a whole lot more than maybe somebody that didn't have that. And now whether it whether it works and it fits and it's actual like theologically sound at all I I don't know I don't know but it's quotable.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sorry to throw I'm sorry to throw us down that rabbit hole but I just there's I I just like to connect with people who kind of grew up the same way as I did Um, just because in the tradition that I'm a part of now you have a lot of people that converted from Catholicism to UCC or like Methodist or or Episcopalian and then when you say oh yeah I grew up Evangelical and Pentecostal and became UCC they're like they just it's just it doesn't compute to them they're like uh what but then when I hear other people who grew up the same way I did and I was like hey wait a second did you feel the same way I did or did we go through the same thing? And it doesn't matter. Like you're in Texas and in Southern Texas and we're in, you know, the twin cities in Minnesota and it's still a lot of these stories are the same. Um, kind of the same whole MO is the same. So it's, I'm sorry to kind of hijack with that. I just thought it was, you know, it's an interesting caveat. Yeah. You guys have some parallel experiences. I
2: love it. I don't, the only, the only people that I'm, I'm able to decompress some of that with a lot of times It's my brothers, like, you know, and, and we, we all three are in kind of different spaces within that. And, and, uh, I don't, there's not a whole lot of the old agey crowd that I'm having these conversations with. A lot of them, maybe are still there in those churches. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no, it's great. It's great to reminisce and, and think about, you know, all of that in a, in a way of, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm 35. And so like, I probably stopped going to those type of churches 18 to 20, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some other like watered down versions of that. You know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, so it's sometimes it's hard to reach, reach that far back. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, kind of pivoting, do a nice pivot. What, um, what brings you back week to week or whenever you listen to sacred collective? What, what, um, kind of gives you that desire to listen to what we're doing
2: mm. Um I love the when there's uh two three four of y'all mm-hmm. um I love the dynamic of, of a conversation as opposed to uh um a talk a lot of the podcasts that that I've found are really just you know you're they're talking and you're listening um, it feels a lot more dialogue based um kind of think I wish I had gone back and and picked out some some hits, some um, hits the best of yeah uh Gosh, I think, I think the, um, you guys really get into, it's a, it's a, I don't know if you guys would say this, but it's a theology gambit and you all are able to tackle, you know, you, you intentionally will say like, let's talk about hell or let's talk about, you know, these things in a big way. Um, that, and in a casual way, you're not trying to get into, um, it's not a theology class either. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, people want it to be this you know notes and citations and right. shit like that but it's more like how are we actually processing faith um or or deprocessing from things that have been experienced in our life so that's why i come back and, and i need to catch up with where i where i've been um i'm taking a ton of classes and i caught i caught you guys um before classes started and i was listening regularly regularly regularly. and uh, i do find that uh i ha- you know, the sacred collective for me I have to be listening with attention. Some podcasts I can listen to and they're just like going in the background. Mm -hmm. And with y'all, I feel like I want to hear the point and the point behind the point. And, and that's not to to flatter it. I hope it does, but it's not to necessarily flatter, but um, that I like a lot because a lot of podcasts are just like white noise for me. So y'all having, there being a dialogue going on and a, this is how I, I received this before. This is how I'm receiving this subject matter now. Um, I like a lot. So
1: thank you. Um, thanks for the flattery. I know it wasn't just for that, but I think how it, it, and I just was interviewed like last week, you know, even Jay had asked me like, how did this kind of start? And like, I've always had this, like this baby or like sacred collective was what it is now, but like this passion burning in my, in my, you know, heart and mind for a long time, but I always envisioned it as like a church as like this, this, physical building because mm. like my best friend who i met in seminary he's actually um in switzerland he's married to a swiss um his swiss miss as he calls it and uh <laughs> calls her i should say not it um but like he's really like he's super conservative he's part of the uh, uh, conservative um episcopalian and so like he really when he started his church he had to do like all the smells bells um all that kind of stuff and with me i've always like i i love the church but I also realize that, like, the people I feel like God put on my heart are the people who are like, I, I I can't go to church for whatever reason. Or if I do, it's maybe, you know, Christmas, Easter, whatever. But, like, how we start, and Caleb is, you know, I'm going to flatter him, but if it wasn't for Caleb, you know, seeing him at Revolution and being like, hey, can I bring some of my audio stuff with? to? Because we were just like a small group. Like, I mean, there's thousands of small groups that churches and, and people do. And we were just talking, like what you hear in Sacred Collective, we were just talking about that like in my living room. And when I saw Caleb at Revolution one day and invited him, and he was like, hey, can I bring my, you I know. I think I
0: came to one without any gear. Yeah,
1: well, maybe then, you did. And then yeah. you were like, hey, this is going to be, you guys are on to something. And so it was so like, I don't know so organic, using mm. that word. Uh, uh, and now it's just kind of exploded into what what it is now. And, like, I'm seminary trained, so, like, it hurts me sometimes when I don't have all these lists and citations <laughs> and, like, the stack of books. Because, I mean, I spent so many years of my life, you know, writing these deep theological, like, treesties almost, and then realizing, like, the people who, and, and a lot of the people, I would say half the people who... Are, are part of the sacred collective, are seminary trained, or at least like Christian college trained. And I think if we brought all that like deep theological, like we're going to do citations and we're going to, you know, this book says this. <laughs> I think it, it would take away from what we're doing because I think a lot of people are like, hey, I just, like I've gotten a lot of compliments from people who are saying, we just like that you sit down and talk about life like mm-hmm. it is like you're a bunch of christians, agnostics, queers who are like hey, is there a hell? Is there you know, is it okay that we can deconstruct and then we pepper in, you know, these conversations. So mm-hmm. thank you for saying um, why you listen and we always like feedback. We always like what well, things can we do better. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome to hear one of our listeners to and you saying you know your honesty of like why you like it cuz it you know goes a long way for mm-hmm. us. We also we also get a little bit blue sometimes. It's it's
0: a uh, it's an unfiltered medium. But then it's it's I think it's kind of cool. I don't want to just like keep uh meta plugging ourselves on it, like on our own show talking about ourselves. But I think it's kind of cool that like we have a lot of very intelligent educated people who also you know, are, are having a drink and just kind of, you know, bullshitting around and, and, and joking with each other and having a good time, you know. Well, but We are talking about deep, deep stuff, but at the same time, you know, we, we we do just kind of joke around with each other. Well, so.
1: and my point always is, is like faith Faith is important to a lot of people, whether you're even – most of my friends who are atheistic grew up in the church some, some sort of way. One of our um, people who comes, our friend Josh, who I actually went to seminary with, you know, he works at a, at a a food shelf and it's used to be Christian. Hasn't been Christian for a long, long time, but most of his coworkers are Christians and they'll say, Josh, like what church do you go to? Mm -hmm. And he's thinking like, Oh crap, I'm an atheist. Like, I don't want them to think of me in like a different way. And he'll be like, Oh, I go to the sacred collective. Right. And like, when he said that to me, I got this big smile Mm -hmm. and he was like, what? And I was like, that really means a lot. And he's like, well, no, I love this community. And I was like, But for someone who's like, this was, I was always told growing up in the church, you're too young, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, all this kind of stuff. And now, all these years later, to be like, hey, this was just a shot in the dark. Um, I was going to put it on, like, the, you know, kind of the back burner. And then when I had someone in the UCC ministry saying, like, dude, you need to jump in on this and do it, so for you and others, it's just like, we, you know, we wouldn't be who we are without, you know, our listeners, and we're glad that... You guys are getting something out of it because we get something out of it in in our group. But we like to hear that other people are getting, you know, getting stuff out of it, too. It goes a long way. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, it could be cool to maybe even we can talk about this off the air. But it could be cool to even do like uh, a live stream for Sacred Collective, like have Harley sit in on a conversation or something like do a Skype like this. But then have like four or five of us, you know, like you, me, Kayleen, Amanda kind of thing. And then have, like, Harley or another listener or somebody, like, in on the discussion, whereas this is more of an interview format, but that could be kind of cool. I'd
1: be down with that. How about you, Harley?
2: Yeah, I'm down. Absolutely. That sounds great. Um, I love that you guys prefaced it with, like, this is a conversation we were having, and then all of a sudden it was recorded. Was that process difficult to, like, yeah, we're going to record and throw it out there? Because, I mean, I know the difference between when I'm sitting over dinner with friends even like before the brewery or after the brewery and we're just like ah, like no you know did you see what happened on the news and we're just like tearing it up it's way different than when we're trying to have this you know this dialogue and brewery at brewery you know and, and a uh, structured thing um, i love that it was rooted out of a conversation was that difficult to then say like mike talk yeah or was that <laughs> what you wanted is it's hard for a theologian or a person who's like biblically read, like in a in a deep way or in a structural way, to not go into that place of, you know, like I, I'm going to nerd myself out here. I took like notes, right? Because I was like, what if they ask me some stuff? Which none of it you've asked nice. me, some, which is great. Because then I'm like, I'm going to give you an honest answer, right? <laughs> I think
0: it's our first interviewer that wow. has taken notes. I'm really, actually, very curious about what what uh, what you have wrote down for your notes now.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> um, but it, well. well before that, though, like, was it hard to – is it hard to, like, not jump into the deep theology space and to keep it conversational?
1: I, I think yes and no. That's a great question. There, you're, now you're interviewing us, Arlie. Well, yeah, oh, that's great. That's, that's I'm sorry, i that's sorry. It's a bad No, habit. it's great. No, no, it's great. It's, nice. it's all dialogue. This so. is fun. No, I love it. I love it. Um, I, like what you said, like, being seminary trained like myself, like, there's always the time where, like, sometimes when I go visit my mom – like i'll just like she'll be like hey hey son how are you doing blah 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 I'll be like mom what's your view on this blam and it's <laughs> yeah. this theological view and she just gives me this look like and she's like really like come on like I, i'm your mom i don't want to get into that but i feel like with the sacred collective there's like our first when caleb came over the first time with all of his equipment i think we asked everyone who was a part of it's kind of like revolution where there's not a lot of physical people who are there but we have a lot more listeners online um And we tried to do purity culture because that was, you know, a lot of us a hot, hot button topic. And I feel like we met at our friend Josh's house and he had a really squeaky table, like an old table. So, like, you put your hands on it. It was like. And so, like, so we had a lot of people putting their hands down. They get really animated. So, of course, microphones picked that up. And, and I think we were also eating while talking.
0: Yeah, I think we were eating. So there was eating. like forks clattering on plates <laughs> in the background. And and but so And there if, were like five conversations going on at once. Yeah, I think there and, was like seven of us, six or seven of us. Yeah,
1: it, uh, uh, close to 10 I think. And <laughs> we did that like the beginning of last year. That was like February of 18. And then, like, Caleb calls me. He's like, dude, this is, like, uh, like we can't release this. I'm like, why? <laughs> he was, he was like, And he showed me, like, a clip of it, and it was garbage. It was just, like, and so I texted everyone. I was like, we can't release this. They're like, oh, why? And I said, okay, when we come to this next Sacred Collective, let's do some ground rules. And it, it was a ground rules that we all agreed upon. And I was like, our main rule was don't be a dick, um, which was, mm-hmm. like, if someone says something that you disagree with, you know. I don't and, think anyone was being a dick. Huh? I don't, I don't think that that was corrective I don't think anyone was being no no like but meaning like yeah. be respectful if someone says like something that you vehemently disagree with you can out of respect and yeah. love say not like you're wrong but being like oh okay well where did you come with this at or where did you blah 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 but then we were kind of like also like don't Luckily at our place where we record now at my wife and I's place we don't we don't we don't record at a table like we have a table like a coffee table and their microphone. so if someone's talking with their hands or whatever it's not going to pick that up but it's, And now we eat before. And now we eat before so <laughs> the some of those logistics But it's kind of one of those things where if you know if I know like Caleb's going to say something and it's kind of like a more tight or like tighter We've gotten it more tight. Where if I know Caleb's going to say something, and I'm saying something. I'll, like in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm stopping. Yeah. Caleb will say it, and I think that's over time. So if you, not saying you have to, but if you go back to some of our like probably our first five to ten episodes, it's a shit show compared yeah, to what it is rough. to what it is now. <laughs> and I think it's just trial by fire.
2: Yeah, that's a cool experiment too on like reading each other. Right? I mean, you're not having to read each other in a dial in a conversation where there's nothing being recorded. You're just kind of. You can easily get into a habit of, like, talking over somebody or this or that. And, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. So it probably put you guys together better. Like, you're more united in the ability to dialogue. That's cool. Yeah, that's a,
0: that's a really good way to put it there, Harley. Um, and Brian and I recently have, have talked about this. This has come up just kind of naturally a few times is that um, – Especially in situations when we're doing like interviews like this, like over Skype or something like that. I think that our dynamic with each other and our uh, pacing and timing with each other, like interviewing people, talking to people, especially over Skype, it can be a little bit awkward because there's obviously like a lag, you know, and stuff like that. But I, I think that, that yeah. Brian and I, we have very uh, very different personalities and dynamics. I'm, yes, we do. I'm kind of uh, chaotic and impulsive and Brian is more calculated and restrained. Uh, it's the restrained. seminary that did it. It's the seminary that did <laughs> yeah. it uh but uh but yeah it's it's interesting that i think that the way that he and i communicate with each other and when how you and i brian like communicate with people like like we're doing with harley right now i think has shifted a lot we've learned a lot about each other we've been doing this for like almost two years now huh yeah Uh.
1: i'm not gonna say practice makes perfect but it does help a whole hell of a lot yeah um because i'm with you harley sometimes i'll listen to like podcasts and i'm just like i'll have to stop because it's so chaotic where it's like all these people are you know you know blah 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 but i do like we actually one of my friends that we um interviewed a couple weeks ago my friend from holland josh like i was after the interview i was just texting him and i was like oh thanks for being on that and he was like why don't i know caleb why 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 am i not friends with caleb and i said well i've only been friends with him for like two years and he was like I, and he's, you know, in his 50s, he has his Ph.D. in Bonhoeffer studies. I mean, the guy's a freaking, mon- oh, like, really? brilliant. He's brilliant. And he even said, he's like, you and Caleb do a really good job at just kind of, like, interviewing where, like, one of you might be, like, really deep and theological. And the other one might jump in and be like, hey, what's this? And, and, and it's something that we didn't try. It's just, like, we bring our own nuances and our, our own differences into it and it's just really worked well mm-hmm. and you know we both love podcast we both love podcasting so we're like why don't we do this
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> i dig it yeah it's it's the difference between bring you know you're not bringing your you're not bringing your scholarship to like hey you know you're bringing yourselves and the scholarship's going to get wrapped into it right. for sure um you you got um Brian you have a, a seminary degree Did you go phd masters
1: uh, I got my master's in Christian thought, and then I have my doctor in ministry.
2: Um, this dude's a doctor, yo. I'm looking at uh, graduate school right now, and and contemplating what that looks like. As far as I'm um, considering teaching as a main thing, um, but uh, I love the idea of doing theology and education, whether it's religious studies or something specific like the Christian tradition. So, how was that experience for you? And we don't have to. Keep- you don't have to keep this in there. I'm just actually interested.
1: So. Yeah, no, that's fine. Well, this is I, great. Uh, I, I, I people asking me about my seminary. I don't at my job right now with what I do. No one gives a flying <laughs> flying fuck at what where <laughs> I went to school <laughs> and what I do. And so yeah, you're a people, great interviewer, Harley. Yeah, you know thank that. you.
2: You should start a podcast, Harley. For real. I know that. <laughs> um, I've I been mean, serious. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Like my, I, I felt calling going back to the Seminars I got. I felt called to do ministry. I have a lot of relatives who are pastors. Like, I have a cousin who's a pastor, and some is a God. I have an uncle who is a pastor, and some is a God. Um, And a lot of of family who have done ministry or missions work within the church. So I kind of, like, fell into it. So my undergrad is in pastoral studies with a minor in Bible. Um, The seminary I went to, Bethel Seminary, up here in Arden Hills, it's part uh, of—it's called Converge now, what used to be Baptist General Conference— And so I went to Bethel, and I actually had a friend that was in college with me, who I'm still good friends with. He lives out in Cali now, but he actually went to, got into Bethel. He's like, I think you would like it. And I I mean, I love seminary. I mean, most of my friends, um, so half the people that come to Sacred Collective are friends from seminary. And we're all, except for pretty much Caleb, um, affiliated with it, because Caleb moved up here from Kansas a couple years ago. I would say... I'm actually from Kentucky. I was born and raised right outside of Louisville. Yeah. You moved around. No, but getting back to your question, Harley, um, seminary was great, and I'll say this. Don't go to seminary because you want to leave and just be like, I want to do this, 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 and this. Meaning teaching, pastoral. Not saying that those are wrong, but go to seminary because you want to better yourself, like, theologically, philosophically, all those Sad to say, but if you're a white male from America, to get a full-time teaching gig is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, and the way college and seminaries across the border are going, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic all the way down to AG, they're paying people for adjunct, adjuncting instead of full-time, like, 10-year position. So there are jobs out there, but for how much time, energy, and money you're going to spend, um, at least yeah. on like a, on a graduate degree, and I think I heard you talk um, on Meet Your Congregation, The Revolution, that you're doing, like, history. Unless you've published, mm-hmm. like, a shit ton of work, you know, write, written books, have spoken, people are going to be like, who are you? Like, why do I want to hire right. you? And so I'll tell people, like, I, like I, I clean for a living. I make good money at it, but sometimes I'm like, here I am. I have a fucking, fucking doctorate, and I'm cleaning toilets, right. and I'm cleaning offices, But then I'm like, then what goes in my head is like, did I do that just to get a job or did I do that to better my own, you know, theological self? And I would say if it wasn't for my theological background, I don't think I would have ever jumped into doing a podcast. Right. And so not saying that graduate school isn't important, but I would just caveat that with... Don't go to whatever seminary you go to and be like, okay, I'm going to get out with a master's or I'm going to get out with a PhD and I'm going to nail this job. I'm going to get a job at this, you know, seminary university because you're going be to be hard pressed to, that's not going to be a reality. Because I, I have so many friends and my cousin who they keep calling me and be like, why didn't I get this job? And I'm like, because you're a white male. Yeah. And we've dominated the teaching sphere for centuries. <laughs> Poor white males. I'm right
0: hey let me you ask let me ask you a question, Brian Is do
1: this you, to me or yeah to, Harley? This is to you
0: okay, kind of based off of some of the questions that Harley was asking um do you think that it would be easier for you to be
1: ordained currently if you were in a different denomination? oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah um and I've even said this within my tradition like I, evangelicals across the board and like my brother's a Baptist pastor, he's licensed um kind of with through the same tradition like our seminary was cuz he actually went to seminary after me um, and it was like a job interview you give a resume you you know you have two or three people that vouch for you and bam it's like a job where in the UCC you have to like you have to become a, just even to want to be a pastor you have to be a member of a UCC church for a year then you have to like write a letter of intent to the church and say hey i want to be i want to go towards the, towards ordination or licensure um and then then the church has to and that means you have to be involved that means you have to like be on committees that means you have to help in like the youth group or you know be pay your you, know, dues. you know yeah pay your dues and then after that they write a letter to the to our you know we're broken up into like 50 for all 50 states so they wrote a letter to the Minnesota conference, and then they were like, "It's called a member in discernment," and so it's this long ass process. I've had to take so many, so many bubble tests, and like, like, do you like to sleep with children? Do you, what the- so, you know, yeah? Like, oh my God, well, no. And they do that because they, when you're a minister, who's gonna say yes? Well, when you're a minister, they're like, you're like, we're the same as like, doctors and therapists. Like, if someone comes to you and is like, right. hey, like, I feel like I'm gonna like kill my neighbor. You have to take that seriously, and we have to, like, because, oh, like, we can get in trouble. We can get fired. And liability so the, kind yeah, of Yeah, liability. So they're like, if you, and when you become ordained in a denomination, it's not just like, hey, you're working at our church. That means the whole entire denomination, like, nationwide is saying, yeah, we vouch for you. Yeah, you're, like, like representing them. You're representing them. You're not just re- representing a church where in most evangelical churches, it's like, no, even if you're ordained or licensed, you're representing that church, that niche. Where in like right. high Protestantism, it's like no. Once you become ordained with us, like you have all the bells and whistles that it's there, and
2: it also takes a lot to be knocked out of that. It's like a, I mean, right. from my understanding it's it's like a PhD or master's in the sense that um, you have been filtered and filtered and filtered and filtered, and you know potentially it's pretty pretty permanent in that way, um, unless you do something like you know I don't know. I mean, I don't know about I don't know about your, your tradition, but I know. Look at like Matthew Fox, who was like, "Oh, I challenge hell and heaven, and I challenge the necessity of uh, you know regular doctrine." And he was taken away from the uh, yeah. uh, Roman Catholic tradition. And luckily, he landed on a speed. He's written a ton of books. He's doing fine, or did fine. I'm not sure if he's, I'm not sure if he's alive still. But but one of the benefits to the mainstream level is is that you're not going to get knocked out real fast. No, and and like
1: so, I know evangelical pastors who. We're like, oh, like they've questioned like hell. I mean, look what kind of happened to Rob Bell. Sure, Rob just, Bell yeah. What happened to Jay students. when he became affirming? Yeah. He wasn't evangelical, so like but. they they kind of like all the stuff leaves. And like I know somebody, a UCC pastor I interviewed for my dissertation. He, you know, has been a UCC pastor for like thirty years, and he's open to say to his congregation where he's like, I'm a universalist. I think we're all going to go to heaven. And his congregation's like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, all right. It doesn't matter. In the UCC, <laughs> they have this thing called a fitness exam, which you're thinking, like, well, like working out? No, a fitness – anybody, any member of a UCC church could, you know, if they're, like, the pastor's, like, verbally abusive, the pastor's, like, sleeping with a congregant when they're, mm-hmm. you know, married, then you can bring up, like, this fitness thing, and if they get enough of them, the UCC gets enough of them, they'll literally, like, like send someone – like a higher-up out there, and it be like, hey, you know, in closed-door meeting to be like, hey, just to let you know this was brought up, we have to have this meeting, mm-hmm. and if it's found out that you did this and you're guilty of this, there's going to be repercussions, and that could be you're fired from that church or you're just stripped. But, yeah, it, it's harder to get that taken away than, let's say, like evangelicalism, because I've known a lot of people, like in the UCC, who are like, Oh yeah, my you know my wife and I are getting divorced, and they're both pastors at the same church, and the church is like, okay, as long as you yeah. can be cordial about it, and you know whatever, yeah, then then that's fine. So yeah, going back to Caleb's question, like, would I be? I joke with my brother, I'd be like, I could be a pastor just like you if I was like evangelical still, but I'm glad because I have one last thing I have to do within the UCC until I go to ordination but I don't have time to do it because it, it would take me having to leave my full-time job, which is I'm the breadwinner in our family and I make good money. And I'm like, and I've told my denomination, I'm not going to do that right now because that's foolish. And they're like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. Just take your time. And Sacred Collective's mm. kind of taken over my life in a good way. So I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And you know, my denomination has been like, yeah, that's cool. And actually Caleb and I actually had the wonderful opportunity back in June to Actually, interview the the president of my denomination, and he was wow. really. If go, I would say go back and listen to that one, John Dorhauer. Um So I'm like really involved with them my denomination, but they also know that like, hey, like Brian's kind of tooting his own horn, doing his own thing, and we better <laughs> we better support him on mm. that. So it's it's that happy medium, like church work and denominational work is great, but it's also sometimes bullshit. Yeah, yeah,
2: when 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 we interviewed uh when i interviewed with with revolution it was my statement and it's been this resonating thing in my head of i don't know and and you know admittedly maybe i haven't done the research but but i don't trust the mainstream church or or even something like you know baptist or evangelical movements to sustain a vocation enough for my wife and i can you know have a kid and buy a house and do these things. I've seen too many of my friends. I have a a little bit of seminary background, um, that they went hard and they finished and -hmm. it was incredible. And they're working at like Applebee's and doing a church job. Mm, And I'm like, I'm just not willing to like never, you know, not that I'm not willing, but it's not, it's not how I want to see it happen. And, uh, that's what got me into thinking about teaching and, and doing, wanting to do research. Um, because I feel like, I'm sitting in these big classrooms or these super small classrooms in the, the senior level, and these professors are processing material with us the same way I would foresee processing material with a small church group, you know. But but we're able to state radically different things. And at some point, I'm I'm thinking about education. And I'm like, wow, this is this not the same platform without the need for always being religious you know and Mm -hmm. and not that the religious doesn't affect the the outside of religion if there is an outside of religion but um but maybe that dynamic can still be there in my life and i can still answer like what we've used the term tonight like the call you know of Mm -hmm. i still feel that very much so um but i don't necessarily trust an institution to to you know provide for our life
1: and i would and i would say this when i was doing my dissertation work and i luckily had a professor that was with me through my undergrad my master's and doctoral work which doesn't really happen but it's just so happened where like he he's an um was raised ag but he was he's half white half sri lankan and so his his perspective like he's he understands buddhism because that's really popular on the island island of sri lanka his that's where his dad's mm-hmm. from, his mom's from Grand Rapids, Minnesota, which is almost in Canada. And so he had this really crazy background, and he told me when I was trying to write like my dissertation, this is one thing that's always stuck with me. He's like, This is when you are a pastor, this is if you are a teacher or professor, this is whatever you're doing. He's like, do something that hasn't been done before.
2: Right. And,
1: exactly. and he's like, whether that's ministry. He's like, if, and I've talked with him. He actually wrote a, um, we got an article that we wrote, published together. And it not a lot of stuff that was published was what we wrote about. And then um, the, doing our podcast, like he's listened to a little bit of it. And he's like, what you're doing, he's like, there's variations of it. But he's like, what you're doing, I think, is not a lot of people are doing that. And I looked at him and his name is Tim. And I said, Tim, what you said to me years ago is, writes on something or do something that people aren't doing and when you find mm-hmm. that and you get that niche then i think you're going to things are going to get a lot more focused and kind of linear yeah. so that would just be saying that to you whatever you're doing do something whether you write a paper or dissertation or whatever do something research it and be like hey has this been what a lot of people are doing because if it is maybe i should right. do that but if it's this kind of like off you know, on the side kind of fringe thing, do it because then that's where you're going to get people interested. And that's where I feel like people will find their footing and be like, Hey, that's what we're doing or what I did.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I thank you. That means so much. Like what that's been the the inner dialogue within my uh, relationship with my wife and I, and in my relationship with the professors has been very much, you know, I tell them, they say, what do you do? And I list off like 10 things that we're currently actively doing. And they say, you know, if you're going to grad school, you got to narrow it down, and you don't. You're not going to lose any of yourself, but your filter going into a space that, you know, ask ask different questions than anybody's asking, and and they've given me really great feedback. And that, but what, almost what you said verbatim was said to me about two weeks ago, and it's helped me a lot to just say like, okay, I'm not losing anything. I'm just putting it in a specific direction. So, that's rad. Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, seminary and grad school is fun, but it's very daunting. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you for doing that. Um, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights because you're going to be <laughs> doing homework.
2: Um, oh, yeah. I'm doing that now. That's that's the nasty part. You know, it's like, here's 300 pages. Give me a one-page summary by Tuesday and make sure it's good.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but Harley, thank you so much for um, being a part of Sacred Collective. Thank you for letting us pick your brain. Um, I would say the last thing is, and I know revolution says this too, or like meet the congregation, but we, we, we're so inter intermingled with yeah. sacred collective revolution Jay,
0: at church today. Jay
1: said that sacred collective is a sister church of revolution. Would, he- wow. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> hit, me, hit me in all the fields. Um, that's huge. Well, I know. Cause Jay, Jay's meant a lot to me. Like he, I saw him in 2001, 2002, read son of a preacher man you know, changed my life and here I am being, you know, at the hip with him. So that's cool. Um, what would you, as someone who listens to us, what would you like us to maybe expound on? Is there any topics? Is there any,
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Like yeah. Do you have any topics, any topics, any, any,
1: topics, prompts? any a prompt, yeah, prompt or any people you think we should reach out to interview? Um, Cause we'll try to make it happen if we can.
2: Hmm. Unlike the revolution, interview I did not prep this one. <laughs> um
0: gosh. You can always get back to us with a DM or something. Yeah.
2: Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um let me look over like what all cuz I I guess 2 years I I didn't I haven't scrolled back that far so I wouldn't want to say something I mean I love the concept of universal salvation that idea of mm, um, and cool. and maybe what the implications of that are and I know you've talked about it in the past but what the implications of that are for your daily life. Like, what does it mean to oh,
3: that's good. believe
2: that everything? Well, let me ask, can I, can I ask like, is it that all people will be saved or that the cosmos itself, like all of the matter in the universe is also coming into a place of liberation, like, cosmic
1: renewal. Are you asking me personally?
2: Yeah. Or, or like maybe as, well, yeah. Cause I don't know if the sacred collective has like a full stance on it, but, but maybe you. Where are you at with that? Yeah,
1: we don't have a full stance because we don't ever want to put anything in anyone's. Yeah, mouth. And, we, and we would all disagree on everything. <laughs> yeah, we would, yeah, we would probably all disagree, uh, especially ath- the atheists in the group. They'd be like, "Fuck it, I don't believe in any mm. <laughs> any of it." For me personally, I, I don't
0: believe in an afterlife at all. I'll say that.
1: Yeah. So personally, for me, um, I I would say um, I'm a pan antheist not a pantheist, but a pan antheist which literally means that God created everything from within Himself using those pronouns, and so that means that it's not just humans, but the cosmos, the trees, the animals, everything. So that when Christ renew, I don't think Christ is like destroys everything. I, you know, people will say in like Revelation where it says Jesus will create a new heavens and new earth. If you read carefully, it's like Jesus is coming down. It's not he's blowing up the planet or the cosmos. It's just like. Jesus is coming down to create this new kingdom, the new so, Jerusalem. This new Jerusalem, yeah. And I think that that whole thing is meaning that God is uh, re- not not killing anything off, but with humanity, we're all like we're all in it, like we're all included. And that's not just humanity, but that's the trees, the animals, the cosmos, and everything that it, it that to me is eternal. It won't end. Um, so. It's not a very popular opinion with a lot of people, but, the, you know, I don't lose any sleep over it. I'm not going to die on that hill, but those are just, you know, my views. Hmm.
3: That was a good question know, no, there.
1: I, lo- I, lo- I love that. What's that? I said that was a great question there, man. Yes, thank you.
0: Yeah, that, that oh, was kind you- of a, an anti Wright-esque uh, proposition about, like, the renewal of all things. I don't agree with, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can appreciate some of the stuff that he says, but he kind of has that view of, Is- like, all and- things will be renewed.
2: NT Wright is difficult for me. I, I he 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 challenged me deeply with like Surprise by Hope. Love that book. Incredible. Mm, very. Um,
3: yeah.
2: And and that's probably where some of that my own language comes from. Um, I've tried some new things. I'm maybe looking forward to his New Testament commentary. Oh yeah. But like, he quotes himself all the time. And like <laughs> I'm like, man, where's the master thesis book? Because I'm I'm really tired of buying like every thirty dollar book you know like it's just like it's, and it's like and I said this before and then I said it this and in the future I'll say this too I'm like man yeah. I'm really I'm going broke buying this theology you right. know? well you um, know
0: that's a pretty good gimmick is uh, if you only quote yourself you can quote yourself in the future whereas you know nobody
1: else has the ability to quote someone in the future. I'll write this book in five years yeah. so I'm going to quote myself yeah there you go
2: but I mean I like I like a lot of what he says but he's he's come out really hard on some things and I, I couldn't even recall it there now but yeah. it made me think okay I'm Maybe a little, a little less of that and more of others. But that topic would be cool. Like, what is it? What does it look like to to interpersonally um, activate something like universal salvation? I or like you know, with Caleb, like, w- what is it like to what does regular life look like with your coworker or you know your friend? And you're like, oh, there's no afterlife. Like, we get to live this moment now. Mm-hmm. And does that make you you know more? more devout or less devout where you're just like literally enjoying the moment. I mean, it's almost a Buddhist concept of, and I'm reading into you, I apologize. Um, there you but there's this nature of the moment is more important than the the later thing because we don't know about the later thing. Yeah. A kitty cat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's Mongo. That's my roommate's cat. Hey, He's Mongo. gorgeous. He just likes to. Oh my gosh, we love cats. We have two cats. Animals, so. animals love me. Just <laughs> yeah, just sitting on Brian's lap. All right, Harley, we're going to let you go for now, but uh, we asked us to all of our guests. Uh, it's a setup. It's a, yeah, it's a setup, <laughs> but we, we do ask, uh, would you ever want to be back on as a guest in the future?
2: Absolutely. i have love this. This is great. Yeah, this yeah. is
1: great dialogue, man. I love it. we got to get you here, bruh. Yeah, you got to come up to, to, to Minneapolis. How cold is it there right now? Right now it's, Today was actually a pretty Today was day. actually good. It's 45, um, which is actually pretty normal. But this weekend, actually, Caleb's come over to my house for Thanksgiving on Thursday. But Wednesday into Friday, we're supposed to potentially get up to six inches of snow. So that sucks.
2: Wow. Yeah, it was... We woke up at 55 degrees, and it was 78 by noon. See, but see, that's the
1: That's the thing, though. I, I, I agree with my mom. I have to have four seasons because I have to have a spring... I have to have a summer. I have to have a fall and winter. I can't do... Like, I have a lot of relatives in Vegas, and I can't deal with, like, oh, it's December, and it's, like, 60 degrees, and it's cold. I'm like, 60 degrees is not cold. It still snows in the South sometimes. You just don't get these blizzards. And plus,
0: in the South, fall lasts longer than two fucking weeks like it does here. I know. Like, we get two weeks (laughs) of fall in Minnesota. I hate it. Well,
1: we have... uh, The last couple years in Minnesota, we've had sprinters, which is, like, spring and winter, because, like, we were supposed to go to a baseball game like the Twins our major league team were supposed to have a game in the middle of April and it got snowed out because it was, like, 30 degrees and, like, we got three inches of snow. But then two days later, it was, like, 55, 60 degrees and all the snow melted. So we were like, oh, that's normal. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not really selling it. But maybe come in the summertime. It'll yeah. be, like, you'll
2: die of heat. It'll be, like, 95 and, like, humid. Yeah. Well, and you guys can maybe take a vacation down here and hit the beach in the middle of winter when you're not, like, you know. Hey. Be that'd be cool. Idea.
1: Hey, we'll crash on your couch if, if yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, me it's and Brian on your couch. It's a relatively comfortable couch, yeah. yeah. There
2: we go. Um, I'd, love, yeah, I'd love to come back. And, and I know uh, online we chatted a bit about uh, maybe a talk about inclusion. I know we didn't get to, to hit on that too much. but that'd right. Be, that'd be something great.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, and uh, Caleb, we're going to get you some Merton material because you've got to – Merton's my man. That's what I want to do scholarship on. It's Thomas Merton from, okay. a, from a Protestant perspective. You know, Most of his scholarship has been done on by Catholic. And, uh, cool. and by buddhist so nice. you know that may be some of some of where i'm tying in my my oh, yeah. uh the next couple of years of my life but are those buddhist beads you're wearing there these are yeah these are amala so it's 108 beads um some would say that there's a reference to breath so you breathe 108 times in and out and you count the beads i'll use them in the, a religion like a christian tradition i'll pray like the jesus prayer and move from bead to bead um and uh, different different things, but That's these cool. are these are a traditional Buddhist. Set.
0: Nice. I studied uh, Theravada Buddhism in in college, and then I used to attend uh, a Buddhist temple when I lived in Kansas for a little while. So, right on. Is
2: there yeah. a Buddhist community in Kansas? That's yeah, there a, is. Good
0: size one? Yeah, in Kansas there That's... is. I don't know
2: about here. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. yeah, Kurt goes to some Buddhist meetings. With Kurt from Revolution. There's a big Buddhist temple up in Roseville too, where my mom lives. She lives like three blocks from a huge Buddhist temple. Nice. Well, yeah. before we let you go, we're going to let you officially meet Mongo
0: here. He's a boy. I mean, He's a good boy. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. Oh, you look a lot like Boston, Mongo. You're rad.
1: He's Can't chill as fuck. He's <laughs> like, stop. Don't look at me. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Harley. He's like, thanks like, dinner's for... ready, y'all. Come yeah, on. right. He <laughs> smells the pizza.
0: All right, Harley. Well,
1: always right, great man. chatting, good man. Good let's do it again soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Have yeah, a good night. Sure. You too. Thanks a lot. Later, Bye. man.
0: Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at Sacred MN.
3: If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker.
2: We're living in a society that's like money buys comfort and ease. Yes, and and at the core of that, it's
1: trust, right? I mean, at, at the it's a it's a mistrust of
2: of allowing yourself vulnerability.
1: Yeah,
3: and
2: you see both sides doing it. You see the progressives want to be comfortable with their life and say, you know, all conservatives are bad, and then you see the conservatives doing it and they want their way of life, and they're both seeking comfort. And what we've been talking about doing with
3: the Loose in the Bible Belt podcast and tour is saying we want to create a space where people can come and be uncomfortable and disagree well. And we've lost the art of disagreeing well because we all want to be taken care of and be affirmed. And it's like, you know, when are we going to grow up? You know, it's not about being happy and comfortable, not for the progressive and not for the conservative.
2: Yeah. And in fact, right, that that tension that we cannot handle Actually creates more animosity. Yes. Right? Yes. We begin to dehumanize the other that we disagree with to the point that we can no longer I mean, shit, we can't we can't even sit next to each other and worship the deity together. That's pathetic.
3: Superstition. Prayer. Spirituality.
0: That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>